Well, good morning, White Oak Christian Church. How are we this morning? Pretty good for nine o'clock. My name is Richie Jackson. I'm a member of the teaching team here. And uh, as Kevin just mentioned, we are finishing up our uh, series, No Matter What, where we've been challenged uh, to seek Jesus. Uh, and, and saying yes to Jesus means that we're going to say no to many other distractions in our lives. We're going to humble ourselves. We're, we're going to need to surrender some of our pride. We are going to have to say no excuses, no delaying. We need to be after Jesus no matter what. You know, like when you say no matter what, like what, what comes in your gut? Like I think like no matter what, and I go like no matter what, and then I put my game face on. Like this is my game face. I think this is what my game face would look like if I had one. I've kind of channeled my inner Rocky Balboa, you know, like no matter what. There's something about a story of persistence. There's something about a story of stick to that we all appreciate. There's nothing like the win after the grind. It's just awesome, you know. Um, we, we root for underdogs. Can't you just imagine, like, the big game's getting ready to be played, and, and we're going to hear the sideline reporter say something like, she was with her mother every step of the way as her mother battled breast cancer, and now her mother is watching her play for a national championship today. He was yet a boy when he was taking care of his younger brother, and that younger brother is now in the stands, excited to root on his older brother as he runs for a possible gold medal. There's something about these stories. It's awesome. We love rooting for these things. These stories, they suck us in. The trials, the ups and downs, they bring us to a point of excitement and we want to engage. And we see that in the Bible too. It's one of the reasons why I love reading the Bible is because there's a story of realness in the Bible that we know when we meet these characters. They have good decisions and bad decisions. They, 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 they have mistakes and they have victories. And it's a bunch of messed up people living messed up lives. You know what? And, and, and yet there's a story that's intertwined in all of it about God's incredible love for us. This morning we're going to concentrate our story um, for a woman, a Canaanite woman. She was an outsider. And I think that what we're going to find is that we're going to find that this woman has a lot to teach us. She has a lot to teach us with her boldness and her persistence and her willing to do something in the midst of a little bit of adversity. But before we get to that, I, I want to I prepare our hearts. I want to prepare our minds. I want us to look at the way David sees the God that we're going to talk about today. Now, I'm going to give you some scripture from 1 Chronicles chapter 16. And I know everybody just wants to jump into 1 and 2 Chronicles. Don't you just want that, right? Well, let me just tell you. 1 and 2 Chronicles, it's kind of like a retelling of the Jewish people's uh, story. And if you read 1 and 2 Samuel, if you read 1 and 2 Kings and 1 and 2 Chronicles, there's a little bit of repetitiveness that begins to hop in here. But listen to the way David uh, gives this speech as he is preparing to place the Ark of the Covenant. Okay? Listen to what he says here in verse 8, chapter 16. All right? It says, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praise to him. Tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord in his strength. Seek his face always, always, always seeking his face. There's something, other translations say that we're seeking the, his presence continually. Like what if, like what if we actually sought after Jesus continually? What if we pursued him like that? And that's the big idea that I want to offer up this morning is that persistent faith keeps moving forward. Persistent faith keeps moving forward. We've got this incredible God that David talks about, and he finishes that little section by saying, like, always. 
Like I'm always after that. Right? Back to Rocky. Rocky is a, an interesting character, right? Um, he took a bunch of whoopings, didn't he? Like, we loved watching Rocky. He, he took so many butt whoopings, right? And, and, you know, it didn't matter whether it was Apollo Cree or Mr. T or Drago. Like, he just stepped right into punch after punch, right? He just got knocked around. You can hear Mick in the corner yelling, get out of here, you're getting killed. And you, you know, there, was a, there, was a, there was a little part in, in Rocky Four where little tiny Sylvester Stallone is drive blocking, like, drive go back into the corner of the ring in Russia, right? And it's at that moment you realize just how small, you know, Sylvester Stallone is compared to Drago. But, you know, Rocky's fighting for something beyond himself. In Rocky 1, he fights to say, you know what? I may be the little guy, but I can fight with the champ. And in Rocky 2, he says, that was no fluke. I am the champ. I'm going to fight and I'm going to prove myself to you. In Rocky 3, he made a lot of money because he was the champ. He got a lot of fame and fortune. He fought a bunch of chumps. And then he got beat by Mr. T. And now he had to fight to redeem himself. And then in Rocky 4, the best Rocky, by the way, the best Rocky, we see his friend die in the ring. He's fighting for his friend. He's fighting for revenge. He's ultimately a call to unite the world. And he sees this as a larger picture. And then there's Rocky V. And if you watch Rocky V, I'm so sorry. The truth of it is, is that after Rocky IV, you should just jump straight to Creed. Just go straight to Creed. But the point here is that Rocky was a guy. He was just a dude from Philly that never gave up, that refused to stay down, always going to move forward, never going to retreat. That's what Rocky was. Now, from fiction to fact... On Tuesday, we'll celebrate D-Day. We'll celebrate, we'll remember D-Day. The bravest America had to offer went onto the beaches of Normandy in 1944. Hoping that they could dodge bullets, men were looking at their friends and their brothers shot, wounded, killed. But advance they must. I want to point out here that like in times of desperation, There's almost nothing we aren't willing to do. And on that day, the only option for those men was to move forward. Staying in the water, staying on the beach was only bringing more ammunition towards them. It wasn't an option. They had to get off the beach. And a desperate people is a people worth keeping our eyes on. Someone's desperate. They're willing to do anything. Desperate people find a way to get what they want. Desperate people are persistent people. Desperate people don't always follow the orders or the rules of somebody else. Fathers, what would you not do for your family? What what would you not do in a time of desperation for your family? And I know fathers are just right next to you, probably. There's a mama bear. What are the mama bears not willing to do for the cubs? They will crawl over broken glass for those little cubs of theirs. What does all these stories have in common? There is a point of desperation where people do things bigger and beyond themselves, and and no is not an answer. No is not an answer. There's something that we've got to get past, and nothing short of a solution, a worthy goal. We're born with the awareness that, that desperate times call for desperate measures. We know that. 
And here's what I want to tell you. If Jesus is the answer, if Jesus is the answer to our deepest questions, if, if he's the answer to our family, if he's the answer to our peace, if he's the answer for our marriages, if he's the answer for our futures, then we have to be after him no matter what. Amen? Persistent faith keeps moving forward, and Jesus is worthy of that persistent pursuit. We're going to pick up the story we find in Matthew chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 21, where we find this Canaanite woman. This is a woman that was an outsider, but she knew what she needed to do. Listen to what it says here. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from the vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. A suffering daughter. Now, we know right now this is not a situation where that mama bear is going to say, he looks really busy right now. His friends seem to think he's preoccupied. I'll just see if I can set a reservation to meet with him next week. No, not going to happen. And it sounds like it's a pretty worthy reason. She has a daughter suffering from demon possession. Now, in 2023, we may have a hard time understanding when the Bible talks about demon possession. It's not exactly like dinner table talk. We don't sit down and say, well, how many exorcisms did you see today? You know, it's just not something we talk about. But I want to share with you a quick little story about a friend of mine who's a doctor, who's also a Christian, a wonderful human being, and a friend of mine. And he pondered aloud with me at one, one time about whether or not all the mental illness that we see in our day whether mental illness is another way of describing what the Bible says is demon possession. After all, these are influences and voices speaking into the head that are out of the norm. And I'm not here to give an exploration on mental illness. I'm simply saying that this is the environment that this woman found herself in, desperate for a solution as any mother would be. Jesus had healed leprosy. He had given sight to the blind. Crippled people were walking if they knew what heart disease and cancer were at that point, I'm certain that people would have flocked to him to say, will you help me? Will you do something with this? And this mama ain't taking no for an answer. Listen to what, what happens next. Jesus did not answer with the word, so his disciples urged him, send her away. She keeps crying out after us. She keeps crying out. Keeps. She is persistent. She is continuing to pursue. He answers, I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. Now, Jesus is acknowledging that his focus right here is on the Jewish people, and yet this woman refuses to leave. If I could just get to him, if I could just get in front of him, if I could just see him and I could tell him about my precious little baby girl, if I could get to that point, and so she pursues, and she gets through the crowd, and she gets in front of him, and she kneels before him, and she says three little words. Lord, help me. Lord, you are God, you are king, you are sovereign, you are the only one that can give me the help that I need. I need help. I've looked all the other places, and they can't help, but you can help me. These are the things that matter most to me, the, the deepest parts of my soul. Lord, help me. He replied, it's not, right to give, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. And she says, yes, it is, Lord. 
Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. This woman's persistence, her faith, her conviction in something, this was, this is wholly impressive. It's impressive to me. Because how many times do we stop at the first time of resistance? Somebody gives you a little bit of pushback. Oh, watch out, better get out of here. You know, how many times did you back away from telling the truth about something? In today's day, it's just too easy. How many times do we retreat and do we leave and whimper our way back home? But her faith was persistent. She kept moving forward until she got an answer. She was analogized to a dog. Now, I know that may upset some people. Two things. First things first. It was very common for the Jewish people to analogize Gentiles to dogs. In fact, it was, it's possible that they could have been considered unclean to even be in the presence of, of a Gentile. That's the first thing. The second thing is, and I am no biblical scholar, but I did do a little study on this, on this passage. And, and, and what we see is that the word that Jesus used was more like a small pet or a small dog rather than the word for an unclean animal. So with that in mind, it may have sounded a little bit more like, so you want me to feed the pets before I feed the kids. Either way, Either way, she didn't care because Jesus had the answer. And that's the point. That is the point. And that's a faith that I can admire. I don't want a faith that is shifting on superficial matters. If it matters, focus on it. If it doesn't, then get rid of it. Her faith was impressive. And Jesus knew it. Listen to what Jesus says. Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. I wonder if this, uh, this woman had an upbringing like Rocky in Philly. Maybe her whole life she had heard a whole bunch of no's. Ask, no. Ask again, no. A chorus of no's. And she just kept moving forward. She's teaching us something. Jesus holds the answer to our deepest hurts, our deepest questions. Jesus understands our shame. Jesus is for the brokenhearted. Jesus knows the in crowd. He sees the outsider, and he loves them both. And there are going to be times where it may feel like his focus isn't on you. She certainly found herself. That doesn't mean that he doesn't know you. But I will also say this. Sometimes Jesus is just simply going to ask you, do you really want me? Do you really want me? Are you just here for the miracle? Do you just want the healing? Do you want me, even if I call you a small pet? Do you want me? And she did. She clearly did. But I think Jesus says, you know what? If you want that, wait till you see what happens with the life change of the people who follow me. Wait till you see what their life was and what it looks like now after they start hanging out with me and living this life I want. For. Jesus longs for you to long for him. That's what Jesus wants. He's a healer, yes, but he is a savior. He's a savior. We have a lot to learn from this Canaanite woman. And I want us to walk out of here today bold, strong, ready to push forward in the midst of a lot of chaos in our lives. The Christian path is not the easiest path. It's, it is a rewarding path. It's an inspirational path. Ultimately, it's the path to life. 
Because persistent faith does keep us moving forward. This is the part of the show where we say, pull out your pens, pull out your paper, and I want you to take some notes. Because I want you to have the scripture that we're going to talk about right here. I want you to have this with you so that when you run into resistance in the next week, I want you to say, you know what, that's what he was talking about. Jesus wants me to be ready, armed with the word of God. All right. The first thing we need to know is that the Word of God encourages us. The Word of God encourages us. Listen to what Paul says in I'm sorry, Philippians chapter three, verses thirteen and fourteen. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have yet taken hold of it, but one thing I do: forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press forward towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This was Paul's purpose statement. This was Paul's why. He is heavenward with Jesus. He is striving towards a goal. He is moving forward. He recognizes that there's chaos and distraction all over, but his eyes are forward. He doesn't have the time or desire to look over his shoulder. He is pushing ahead. And that's encouraging me. That encourages all of us. We we are heavenward. Have you ever thought that to yourself? You are heavenward. You are heading towards heaven with Christ. That's incredible, and it's incredibly encouraging to me. You and I, we are heavenward. Be encouraged. Jesus' half-brother James writes in his letter, James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, he actually says, hey, guess what? You're going to be better for those tough times. Listen to what he says, starting in verse two. Consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I had a coach one point in my life that used to say, leave it out on the field, man. Leave it out on the field. Anything left in the tank, when we get back in the locker room, it's all wasted. It's all wasted. Consider it pure joy, but expect a battle. Leave it on the field. Give this life your best. Anything short of your best is not worthy to offer to Jesus. Life will toss you around. We know that. But lack nothing the day that you stand before the king. Leave it on the field. Your persistence will grow your faith. The adversity will make your testimony stronger. It's on display. The Canaanite woman understood this. She was not going back to her daughter to say, I saw him, lots of people there. His friends didn't want me to be with him. So you know what, honey? You're gonna have to deal with those demons a little bit longer, but if you wait a couple seconds, I'll get you a popsicle. No, that was not going to happen. Not gonna happen. Leave it on the field. Leave it on the field. Leave it on the field in pursuit of what Jesus wants for your life. Persistent faith keeps moving forward. Paul encourages us. James says that we're going to be better for the the hard times. So guess what? Don't give up. Paul, we're going to push over to Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. It just says don't give up. In a commentary in the midst of telling people to do good in every room and every relationship that they are in, Paul says this, let us not become weary of doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. So do good. Do it right. But don't give up. The Christian life is going to have obstacles, but don't you dare give up because there's something waiting for you. 
Don't give up because there's a reward. Just a few verses down from where we were in James chapter 1, we're now going to jump down to James chapter 1, verse 12. Listen to what James says here. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, having stood the test. That person will receive the crown of life that the Lord promised to those who love him. No matter what, people, no matter what, no matter what your obstacles are, no matter what hand you've been dealt, no matter what tomorrow brings, I'm telling you, get out your pen, get out your paper, and write these verses down. Philippians chapter 3 encourages you. You are heavenward. James chapter 1 says, not only is this life going to be tough, you're going to be better for having gone through those things. Your testimony will be stronger. Your faith will grow as a result of that. Galatians chapter 6, don't give up because there is a reward. James chapter 1 verse 12 There is a reward. It is a crown of life. And this Canaanite woman knew where her hope was. Do we? Do we? A persistent faith is a faith that keeps moving forward. And I get it. I get it. There's a lot going on out there. There's a lot going on out there. And I know some of you are probably sitting there saying, but Richie, do do you see? Did you see what the television said? There's so much going on, overloading our system. Maybe it would just be better if we just hunkered down and protected ourselves and just hung out together. No. Jesus knew it. I know it. You know it. We have to advance in the midst of the trials and difficulties. And blessed are we when we do. Jesus knew that. He knew that the life would not be easy. Full of joy? Yes. Tons of purpose? Yes. An incredible and happy ending? Yes. Easy? No. Absolutely not. Jesus was asked about the future. We see that in Matthew 24. Listen to what Jesus says. Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of war. But see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. These are the beginnings of birth pains. But then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. You will be hated by all the nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and betray and hate each other. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because the wickedness, because the increase in wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. I'm not telling you Jesus is coming back next week. In fact, Jesus tells us just a few verses later, in fact, he doesn't know. Only the Father knows. What I am saying is that we must be aware of the times that we're living in and recognize it's probably gonna get worse. It's probably going to get worse. Whatever you think you see out there going on, it's probably gonna get worse. I mentioned before that desperate people are people to keep our eye on, all right? Never know what they're gonna do. Well, guess what? Evil is desperate. Evil is desperate. Evil is desperate to take your life and ruin it. There is no limit. Your brain has cognitive dissonance that says evil stops here because that's where I would stop. Evil doesn't have a limit for you. He doesn't have a limit to his deception. But guess what? The more light that gets shined on that evil, the more desperate evil becomes. 
and has more and more light and more. It's actually never been easier than right now to see the lies of the deceiver. We must have discernment in the fog of war. You know why? Because Jesus knew something. Deceivers. Deceivers. The lies are beginning to stack up out there. The lies are stacking up. All right? And the people who are guilty of noticing the lies, they just get called names. Wars and rumors of war. I don't know. Anybody noticing that around? Famines, earthquakes, food shortages. Guess what? And and then, (laughs) because it's fun to be a Christian, you're going to be hated, persecuted, possibly put to death. Jesus says, because of me. And the hearts of many will grow cold. Over the last few years, just honest assessment. You don't have to like show hands. There's no show of hands here, but have the hearts of many grown cold? Isn't that the world we're now living in? We're living in a world full of cold hearts. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. You see, it seems to me that that Canaanite woman was willing to fight through the chaos and distractions to get near Jesus. I don't know what your chaos is. I don't know what your distractions or barriers are. I don't know. Maybe you've got a hostile work environment. Maybe, maybe your marriage is on the rocks. Maybe you've got a God-sized barrier between you and your hopes and dreams. Maybe you've got too much belief in the lies and half-truths that the television's been feeding you for too many years. But are we desperate? Are you? Are we desperate for Jesus? Do we always seek his presence? Is that our primary and first cry? Are we longing for his answers? You see, Rocky was a movie. It was made and manufactured for ratings and viewing pleasures. But those boys on the beaches of Normandy, they didn't have the luxury of hitting the pause button, going and popping some popcorn and coming back. They had to move forward. They had to take the beach. That's what they had to do. And you and I, you and I can, we could stick our head in the sand And we can act like we haven't noticed the advancement of evil in our time. And we could say the obstacles and the hurdles, they're just too big. I think I'll give up. Or you can say, or you can say, insofar as it depends on me, I will not allow myself to be distracted. I will not be discouraged. Philippians chapter 3. I will not take the easy way out because I'm better when I don't. James chapter 1. I will not give up. Galatians chapter 6, because I have a reward waiting on me, James chapter 1. I will stand firm in the chaos. I will stand firm in the storm. I know who I am, and I know the love for which I stand, and I will not retreat, Matthew 24. I will seek his presence continually because David was up to something. Dave knew. He knew it. He knew that that was a worthy praise. He knew that the hearts of those people were rejoicing because that is the God that we love and that we serve. First Chronicles chapter 16. And what did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18? What did Jesus say when Peter said, you are the Messiah, you are the one, you are the son of the living God. You know what Jesus said? That is the truth. That is what this movement is all about. That is the foundational principle that we will move forward and we will advance. And guess what? 
nothing will stop us. There is no evil, there is no gate, there is no fence, there is no wall that can stop this advancement of love that I'm talking about. Persistent faith keeps moving forward. Honest question. In 80 years, in 80 years have we gone from a people capable of attaining a worthy goal to a people who won't even stand with common sense, afraid to speak inconvenient truths, scared to pursue the only person who has an answer to our deepest questions. Because guess what? If we're not longing for the desperation of the answer that Jesus is going to offer us, then guess what? There is a desperate level of evil willing to distract you and tell you another lie. There is no limit to what that evil is willing to do to you. And one day, you and I, we will stand before our God. We will stand before him. What will your life's work be? What will you say? I had a great job while the world burned. Yeah, I knew they were lying, but I just dismissed it. I stayed quiet. It didn't really affect me. I certainly thought there was a good chance that that was evil. But you know what? I kind of just kept my head down low and never really called evil for what it was. You know what? There was a moment in time where I felt the presence of Jesus. I felt him right next to me, but I had to get to that next thing. I had a chance to be near Jesus, but it just got too crowded, so I left. And when God says, what did you do when you felt that I was near? What did you do with the gifts that I gave you? What are we going to say? Because I'm telling you right now, I want the crown of life. I want to hear the words, well done, good and faithful son of mine. I, I want to, I, that's what I want to hear. So live today. Live today an imperfect life that can be added to the imperfect lives and stories that we find in the Bible. Live today like you're not guaranteed tomorrow because you're not. Live today like that wonderful Canaanite woman that is teaching us that giving up is not an option. Are you desperate for the life that Jesus wants for you? Are you prepared to do whatever it takes to do that life, to be that life? Are you, willing to, are you willing to fight through the chaos to get in front of Jesus and kneel before him and say, Lord, help me. Lord, you are sovereign. You are the only thing that matters. Outside of you, nothing else needs to matter in my life. You are the one that can provide me with the help that I desperately need. I have looked everywhere and I find you as my only answer. And me, I'm giving you me. I'm, I'm, I'm pleading with you. Are you willing to say, Lord, help me? Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Persistent faith keeps moving forward. And I sure hope, I sure hope that when we get to stand before our, our heavenly father, that we have spiritual battle scars to show that in the midst of the chaos, we said we will advance. We will advance, Jesus, for your sake, no matter what. Pray with me. Father God, we, we, we come to you right now, open arms, open hearts and minds, Lord. We, 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 we know that our enemy wants nothing, wants nothing for us. In fact, wants hurt and wants all of the obstacles and hurts to just keep us from the truth that you are our only source of goodness all the good things we have came from you, Lord. And, and we just, we, we, we come to you right now, figuratively kneeling in front of you, Father, kneeling in front of you, Jesus, and begging you, Holy Spirit, with these three simple words, Lord, help us. Lord, help us. We need you now more than ever. 
It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.